Praise the Lord. Let's say this together. I boldly confess that this is my Bible. And I am what God said I am. I have what God said I have. And I can do what God said I can do. Tonight I'll have a listening ear, an open mind, and a receptive heart. I shall receive the engrafted Word of God down in my spirit. It will transform my life. It will renew my mind. It will change my thinking. Now, Holy Spirit, I welcome your presence in this place right now. And I acknowledge that you are the great teacher and the miracle worker. And so I ask you to give me wisdom and knowledge and understanding, information, inspiration, revelation, motivation, and direction concerning God's plan and His purpose and His will for my life on this very day. Let every need of everyone in this place be met, spirit, soul, and body, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for showing me what I need to see tonight and for speaking to me what I need to hear and for teaching me what I need to know and for leading me where I need to go. I've come expecting and I know I will not leave disappointed. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would open your Bibles with me this evening... So the book of Philippians in chapter 3 is where we're going to begin. If you want a title, it's called Letting Go of the Past. Philippians in chapter 3 is where we will take our text and we can actually begin reading in verse 10 down through verse 16. And it reads this. Paul was writing to the Christians in Philippi and these are the words that he wrote as he was inspired by the Holy Ghost. He said, I want to know Christ. This is my desire. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, not that I have already obtained all this. I'm not there yet or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. In other words, let us walk in the light that's been given to us. Now, let me just ask you a few questions as we get into this this evening. How many of you have ever been bothered by memories of places that you've been people you've, you know, hung around, things that you've done, things that have come out of your mouth. And perhaps some of these memories have have bothered you in times past. And you thought, gee, you know, I wish I could just go back, take a big eraser 
and erase the whole thing, pretend it never happened, start all over again. I wished I didn't say, hadn't said that. I wished I'd never went with that person. I, I can't believe I did these things. Have you ever been there before? I think we can all identify. And it's not uncommon for people to take a stroll down memory lane. And yes, there are some good memories, surely, that we must all have. Surely, you could think of at least a few good memories in times past, uh, perhaps as a child. My wife, when she shares about her childhood with me, you know, on the occasion, or if the topic arises, she sings about it, how wonderfully her childhood was. And she has only good memories and good thoughts and how her parents raised her. And they weren't even Christians. But yet how they raised her with morals and and just uh, developing, you know, talents and education along these lines. And that's wonderful. She's got good memories. But then right on the other hand, perhaps you can't identify. I know that there are some people, they, you know, they, I never knew my mother or dad. I grew up in an orphanage. Perhaps uh, other folks, they, they had been abused, taken advantage of, or, uh, you know, this, that, or the other. And so there are good things in our past, but yet there are also some bad things. I mean, I must be honest. There have been things that I've said I wish that I had never said. Places I've went, I wished I had never went. And things that I've seen, I wished I had never seen. When you expose yourself to those things, it's not uncommon for that to leave a lasting impression. And if it leaves a lasting impression, ultimately, it can affect your behavior, your conduct, or your lifestyle, even right now. Now, there is something you can do to alter that, to change that, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But there's not uncommon for people to take that stroll down memory lane. Well, I remember when I was growing up, and it's not uncommon for people to reflect and talk about the past. There are things in my memory right now, things that I've experienced personally through my upbringing and where God has led me around the world, that you can be sure that I will pass these things on to my children. As my children grow older and I begin to uh, share with them about what happened in Eastern Europe as God began to move and people that were blinded due to a communistic regime and system over a nation, that when that had lifted, suddenly they became exposed to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll begin to share with them the, the signs and the wonders and miracles and the salvations and the changed lives and just the, the demonstrations of God in supernatural ways. You can be sure that I'll share these things with my children simply to inspire them, to educate them. And there's nothing wrong with that, with taking a, a stroll down memory lane and, you know, uh, thinking about uh, all the things that God has done for us. When I think about His goodness and what He's done for me, there's nothing wrong with that. But where the problem lies is when people choose to remain in their past rather than reflect on the past, they want to stay in the past. And that definitely uh, creates a problem for right now where you are, because as long as you choose to live and to remain and stay and dwell and hold on to your past, it is impossible for you to enter into your future all that God has prepared for those that love Him. There's no way you can. There's just no way. 
I mean, if you live life out of a rear view mirror, you're never going to get very far, will you now? And so this habit of people just going down memory lane, thinking of all the people that have come across your path, perhaps uh, prominent individuals or powerful individuals or just good moral people, or I don't know, perhaps those that have even taken advantage of you or been dishonest or deceitful. We can all sit down and reflect on things of that nature, places that we've been, holidays, you know, that you've spent with your family, far places around the world that you've traveled in, things uh, that you have achieved in life, a graduate, uh, a doctorate degree, starting your own business and now it's turned into a multi-level or a multi-million dollar, whatever. We, We can all reflect and look on these things and there's nothing wrong with that, providing you don't stay there. Let's thank God for the good old days. Let's remember the good old days. Let's thank God for the good old days. I I thank God that he reached down and he rescued me where I was and, and that now I stand in a new place in Christ Jesus. I thank God for that. It does me good to remember where I was at one point and now where I am today. And it's all because of his goodness. It is the goodness of God that leadeth a man unto repentance. Thank God for the good old days. But, you know, as I said, we need to then press on. Notice these words very carefully tonight. In Philippians in chapter 3 and verse 12, as Paul mentioned, he said, I haven't already attained this. I'm not there. I'm not perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm pressing on. It's one thing to remember your past. It's another thing to live in your past. We hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ failing to realize the fact that the gospel is not about your past. It is about your future. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God said, For I know the plans that I have for you. That's future. I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, to give you a hope and an expected end. So when we think about the plan, the purpose and will of God relative to us personally and individually, it has nothing to do with our past. It has everything to do with our future where he's taking us to. When Paul wrote to the believers in Corinth, he penned these words in 1 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 2. He said, Your eye has not yet seen, your ear has not yet heard, and neither has it entered into your heart the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. And he goes on to say that He is revealing these truths to us now by the Holy Ghost who lives down on the inside. Thank God we have an onboard navigator. Amen? He said, I'm pressing on. Brothers, I'm not there yet, but the one thing I do, I am forgetting what is behind. I am straining toward what is ahead. I'm forgetting it. Forgetting what is behind. I'm, I'm letting go of the past. I'm letting go. I'm leaving the past behind. What have you been willing to walk away from in your lifetime? What have you been willing to walk away from? See, some people, they're not willing to walk away from anything. And that's the reason why they don't move any further in the will of God because they refuse to leave where they are right now. You can be out of the will of God geographically. Hello? Well, you know, I was born and raised in this town and I helped paint my room as a five-year-old child. This is where I'm going to die, in this city, in this state, and that's it. Now, wouldn't it be sad if God was calling you to the nations of the world 
But yet, because you refuse to let go of your past, you'll never enter into all those things that he has prepared for you. And this is where many people are. What have you been willing to walk away from? Because what you have been willing to walk away from up until this point right now, this very night, is a major reason why you are where you are today. What you have been willing to leave behind is a major reason why God has brought you to where you are right now. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, I'm not really happy with where I am right now. Well, that takes me to the next step, and that is... What you haven't been willing to walk away from is the major reason that you have not moved any further. It was your call, your decision. You refused to cooperate. There's a little book I wrote back there. I I preach it sometimes in churches called Total Surrender. And in a nutshell, what we fail to surrender, we eventually surrender to. And the things that we hold dear to us, refusing to put on the altar, our action dictates to God that we do not trust him with everything. For if I were to release that which was dearest to me and put on the altar of God, I'm a little concerned what he might want to do with it when he's in control. So therefore, Lord, you can have everything, but leave this little corner alone. And that's an unsurrendered heart. And what we fail to surrender, we will eventually surrender to. It will be as a ball and chain around our foot holding you back from moving forward in God's plan for your life. That's it in a nutshell without going into the whole message. But you look at somebody like Abraham. Hey, he was willing to leave his his inheritance, his family fortune, walked away from it all in order to obey God. You look at somebody like Moses. Here he is raised up as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and yet he chose to be identified with the Israelites rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He was willing to walk away from all of that. Here he's a prime minister. He walked away from it all. What have you been willing to just let go and let God have his own way? You might be here this evening, and maybe God has been tugging at your heart for some time. It could have been a few days, a few weeks, a few months, and it could even be... The last few years, God has been just after something that you have inside. He's been after something. And until you let it go, you'll never move on to the next place, to the next level. You'll never advance to the next stage. You'll never graduate to the next grade. You will not. As is in the natural, in order for a child to advance from first grade to second grade, third grade to fourth grade, he must pass each and every test with the fair mark in order to graduate to the next level, advance to the next grade. And it's really not any different because to whom much is given, much is required as we're faithful in the little things. He makes us ruler over many. As we're faithful to put to use what he's put within our hands now and walk in obedience with a willing and open and honest heart before God, then the father looks down and he says, you know, I've given him one talent. I've given him two talents. I've given him three talents. They've been very diligent with what I put within their hand. Now, in due season, the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to multiply what you have. I'm going to double. I'm going to increase where you're at now, bring you to a new place. But I I don't know 
really where you are this evening. Some people, they don't want to leave their past. When I moved over to Eastern Europe, I began working there in 1990, maybe about six months after the wall of communism fell in Czechoslovakia. When I was there at that time, going in and out every couple of months, the Russians were still leaving. You'd see the military or the tanks or things still leaving. And they pretty much destroyed their army base and where they occupied. They just totally ripped everything out of the walls and just made a whole mess of it because they didn't want to leave. And you would have thought that there would have been tremendous joy shared among the nation of the Czech Republic or the Czechoslovakia, the nationals. But in my dealings and working there for 10 years, I lived there for over eight but I worked there a year and a half prior. In my dealings and workings with those people for 10 years, there was a generation, the older generation, that said, we like it better under communism. We wished that everything was still the way that it used to be. And when I would inquire, but why? How can you say that? Their response was, well, because everything's more expensive now. Under communism, nobody had more than the person sitting next to them. Everybody was equal, and that's how it was. Of course, if you were communist, then you lived in the nice homes if you're part of the party. But they didn't want to let go of the past. They refused to. Some of the folks would come into the churches. We would get them born again and come through the, in the crusades. And they would come into the local churches and we begin to disciple them and teach them the word of God. And we would get questions and uh, feedback from many of them, such as, why don't we pray to the saints? Why don't we worship or pray to Mary? Why, this is what we've heard through the years, and this is, you know, what we've even been taught, whether we went to church or not. But why don't we do that? I think we should do that. That's a good thing, isn't it? It was hard for so many of them, because that was instilled for years upon years upon years. And they were conditioned that this is the right thing to do. I was holding a meeting one night, and this was a new church I had started, maybe a couple of weeks into it. I had a lot of visitors that evening, and as I stood up, this woman stands up in front of everyone, races up to the front, and she starts yelling at me, Who are you? And why are you in our city? And I said, Well, ma'am, I was just about to tell you that. I was just about to introduce myself and why we're here and what this is all about. I said, So if you would just kindly, you know, take your seat. You know, I want to know. And she just went on and sounded her trumpet. And so I proceeded to tell the folks while she was standing there and steaming. I said, well, we're missionaries and we've come here to this nation. We've been here a while. And I said, we uh, teach from the Bible, the word of God. Everything that you see tonight happen, everything that we say is going to be based right here from the Bible, from the word of God. And she just stormed out of that place. She said, oh, Bible or no Bible. She I don't believe any of that. I only believe what my priest tells me. And I said, ma'am, I said, no, 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 hold on. I said, listen, listen, we're, we're teaching from the Bible, the Bible. I don't care if it's a Bible or not. I only believe what he tells me. Now, I'm only using that as an example, okay? I mean, it could apply to, it could be anything, you know, any type of denomination for that, for a matter of fact. But that just came to my mind as I was sharing that. But just as an illustration to emphasize how some people, they refused to let go of their past and their upbringing and how they were taught and how they were conditioned. Just because somebody tells you something doesn't mean it's true. Hello? I mean, we have to be diligent to search the Word of God to find out whether what they're saying is actually in the Bible. 
And too many people, they're just so gullible and so naive, they just believe anything you tell them. I used to jokingly say sometimes to our congregations, I'd say, folks, if you believe everything that everyone tells you, then see me after the meeting. I have a bridge for sale outside. You know, I think our church was better when so-and-so was pastoring it. I just wished that they were back with us. And then, of course, there's the individual that says, how can I forget my past? You don't know half of my story. How can I let go of my past? How can I forgive these people for what they've done to me? I can never forgive them. You can never forgive them. Well, the only way that you would be capable of forgiving is if you were a Christian, where the love of God is poured into your heart. Now, an unbeliever is not capable of walking in the love of God, thereby walking in forgiveness, because he or she has not yet been born again. But when a person comes into the family of God and is a new creation, and the love of God is shed and poured abroad in their heart by the Holy Ghost, they now have the ability to walk in love and forgiveness. Go with me real quick. I think you'll find this interesting to the book of Matthew in chapter 18. Now hold your place in Philippians. I'm going to come right back there. Matthew chapter 18. Let me just uh, just read it. a little passage here. Something that Jesus said as he shared with the disciples. For one of them presented a question. Thinking that perhaps he was maybe spiritual above all of his other peers. But yet Jesus quickly popped his balloon. Matthew in chapter 18. Look what the Bible says. We'll begin in verse um, 21. Then came Peter to him and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times. I know that's probably more than what you would require, but I just thought I'd throw out that number to you. The perfect number, you know, Jesus, seven. And Jesus said unto him, no, 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 no. Uh, no, no. I say unto you unto 70, not seven times, but unto 70 times seven. 490 times. Dear God, I don't know, I don't know of one person in my life that has offended me 490 times. In other words, that margin that we should walk in forgiveness, forgiving one another is so great that we are without excuse. And therefore is the kingdom of God, and he gives this analogy. Watch this now. Under a certain king who would take account of his servants, and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents, equivalent to roughly $10 million. For as much as he had not money to pay, his Lord commanded that he be sold, his wife sold, and his children, and everything that he had, and for payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down, and he worshipped him, and he said, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and he loosed him and he forgave him of this debt. He released him. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, hundred pence, roughly $16. And he laid hands on him and he took him by the throat and he said, pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant repeated the same scenario that he himself did earlier. And he fell down and he said, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. But he would not. So he went and he cast this servant into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and they came and they told unto their Lord all that was done. And then this Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you desired me, you asked me. Should not thou also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as, that means equal to, 
as I have had pity or compassion on you. And his Lord was wroth, and he delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother or sister their trespasses. It's interesting. It's often the small things that cause us to fall. This man had such a debt that it would be an impossibility. It wasn't even rational to conceive that there would be a chance in his whole lifetime that he would ever be able to repay this debt. And yet he asked for mercy and he was given mercy. And yet he meets somebody that owed him, you know, loose change. And he refused to show him mercy. I said, often it's the small things that cause us to fall. It was the small things, this little small deal. It's not a big deal. Give me a break. Come on. I ask you to just give me time. Just give me a little bit more time. And we refuse. It's the small things such as that that cause this man and his family to be cast into prison in the end. Notice unforgiveness brought bondage. When this person was unforgiveness, not only did he lose, well, let me just say it this way. When this person was in unforgiveness, he lost favor with his fellow servants. Why? Because he had a problem with one guy. When you walk in unforgiveness towards an individual, don't think it's strange when you also lose favor with other people around though they're not even connected with the situation. This man lost favor with all of the other fellow servants simply because he fell out with one man. That's what unforgiveness does. It just spreads. It actually is a violation of the very grace of God that was extended to you in which you received your forgiveness from the Lord. So when I choose not to forgive someone, Though I have the ability, though I have the love of God within me to do so, and yet I choose not to forgive, then I am violating the very grace of God that was extended to me years earlier when I needed forgiveness from Him. That's the reason why unforgiveness poisons faith. It's the number one reason for unanswered prayer. People can't figure out. I don't know. I've had everyone lay hands on me. You know, I'm making all the right confessions, but I still don't see the manifestation of my healing or what I've been believing God for. The first place to check is down inside. The Word of God says in the book of John, if your heart does not convict you, condemn you, convict you, then you have confidence towards God. And whatever you ask, you receive. But if I stop and my heart convicts me, the Holy Ghost down inside brings something to my remembrance, then it's my duty and responsibility, hello, to make things right if I want to go forward, that is, in God. I mean, this this guy's future was on a downhill slide because of his unforgiveness. The immediate result of unforgiveness is torment. Did you hear what I said? The immediate result of unforgiveness is torment. He refused to forgive. He refused to release that person. And what happened? Immediately, the Bible says right here, immediately he was cast and handed and delivered to the tormentors. So likewise, the Heavenly Father will do to you if you from your hearts choose not to forgive. It's not that God is going to say, all right, Satan, here's another one. But rather, you 
hand yourself over to the enemy by refusing to walk in love and forgiveness towards your brothers and sisters. When I refuse to forgive them and to release them, when I forgive you, I release you. When I choose not to forgive you, Because I've taken offense. Jesus said offenses will come, but don't take them. When I'm offended by something that someone says or does to me, what happens? If I am offended at something that you have said or done, I'm literally taking the thing that I can't stand, what you said to me and what you did to me. I'm taking that and now I'm bringing it to myself, holding it inside my heart. That's real intelligent, isn't it? The thing that, the thing that ticked me off is now what I hold in my heart, huh? Is what I hold in my heart. The thing that ticked me off, what offended me, is now what I bring into my heart. By unforgiveness. Now, how intelligent is that? That's not too intelligent, is it? Well, anyways, let me move on. There's a number of things I want to share with you this evening. Yeah, but I can't forgive. Well, you need to forgive. You need to be willing to let it go, let go of the past, release them. Yeah, but they said they were going to pay me back, and they didn't pay me back. They never paid me back. Well, number one, you should have perhaps maybe sought counsel or prayed before you ever went into business or made the decision to give them or lend them any money to begin with. Now, if you have not, and in natural, it looks like you aren't going to get paid back. Why don't you just release it then? Count it as seed sown. God, I release them. I put them into your hands. I count it as seed sown. Just write the thing off and move on with your life. As long as you hold that unforgiveness or bitterness resentment, anger, I can't believe they asked me to, you know, lend them this money. They asked me to do, they wanted me to do this for them. And as long as you hold that stuff down inside of your heart, you're only hurting yourself. It's like you personally taking a ball and chain, wrapping it around your legs, locking it yourself, and then complaining because you can't go anywhere. Well, you made the decision. And just as you have put yourself in that bondage, because unforgiveness creates bondage, as we've just seen, thrown in prison. Just as you have placed yourself in that situation of bondage through unforgiveness, you also can release yourself through choosing to forgive and let go of the past. I'm just going to let it go. Yeah, but it was my wife. My wife just never understood me. My husband just never understood me. We'll let it go then. Just let it go. I mean, are you going to cry all the, all, the, all the way until Jesus comes again? You have to let it go. I mean, some people have enough sense to rejoice in letting go of their past. Look at the Apostle Paul and all, all that he had done, both good and bad. His learned education, but yet he was a persecutor of the church, beating and throwing people in prison. He said, I'm the worst, the chief of all sinners. Folks, he celebrated the opportunity. I'm leaving it all behind. The one thing I'm doing, brothers, I am forgetting what is behind. I don't want to remember what I used to do and what kind of a person I was and how I treated people. I am forgetting it. It's gone. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. It is gone. When God forgives, the Bible says that he takes your sin... And he puts it into the sea of forgetfulness. He said, your sins and iniquities, I will never remember. 
for my sake, he says. God says, for his sake, I'm not going to remember. Why? God doesn't want those things in front of him because they will interfere in the relationship between you and him. He says, so for my sake, I am not going to remember. I'm taking it, throwing it into the sea of forgetfulness. And imagine a big sign that says, no fishing. Nobody can ever go in and drag out your past. Except you. And we're smarter than that, aren't we? Aren't we? I hope we are. Somebody said, but the enemy of my soul, the devil, he keeps keeps bringing up my past and showing me this photograph of my past, and this portrait of, of how I used to be and things that I've said, things that I've done. Keeps showing me the same old picture. Well, do you need to rejoice then? Because if he has nothing new on you today... That's the only reason he's fishing around in the past trying to bring something up to bring condemnation on you. Because right now you're walking upright with God. The Father is pleased with you, your lifestyle, conduct. There's no dirt he can dig up presently. So he's trying to, you know, go through the yearbook 20 years ago and bring up some dirt. All that is is an indication to us that the Father must be pleased. Because the enemy has nothing. He has no present information to try to hang over my head. He's trying to bring some some dumb thing up that I did 15 years ago. That's already under the blood of Jesus. If you confess your sin, identify and forsake it, then he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Pressing on, the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, pressing, straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. I'm, I'm pressing on, pressing on. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, brother, I, I just really don't feel like I, I have any vision for my life. The past has just drugged me down, felt like it's buried me, feel like I have no vision for my life. And the reason you hold on to your past is because you feel like that's all that you have. I'm here to announce tonight, that is a lie from hell. If you will take the time to get into the Word of God, it will wash away all deception. It will remove the lies of the enemy. It will change your thinking. Hello? The Word inside of you, it will create vision for you. It will give you a new picture. It will show you who you are in Christ. That's why the Bible says in the book of James, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and sees himself and does not forget what manner of man that he is. He goes on to say this person is blessed. Because as we get into the Word and allow the Word to get into us, we quickly realize and identify, do you know what? My old man was crucified with Christ. My old life is gone. I'm not how I used to be. I may not be what I need to be, but at least I thank God I'm not how I used to be. But I am pressing on. I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. He's still working on me, you know, with the Holy, through the Holy Ghost and the Word. Sanding off some rough edges. Well, thank God I'm not how I used to be. I'm not maybe where I need to be, but I got my eye on the goal. I'm pressing on. And that, friend, is what the Word of God will do. 
I'm telling you, if you will get into the Word and allow the Word to get into you, it's going to create new vision. It's going to give you a goal, new goal, a new vision, a new photograph, a new purpose for your life. Rather than letting some cloud of condemnation hanging over your head and burdening you down and weighting you down. Why do you think the Bible says, cast the entire care over onto the Lord? Because He cares for you. He'll do your caring for you. No point of both of you, Karen. No point of both of you just worrying about something. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast the whole of your care over to me and I'll do your caring for you. Because He cares for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Let God give you new vision. Let God give you a, a vision, a new vision for your life, a new vision for ministry, a new vision for, for your marriage. Well, I'm on my second one now. I'm on my third one now. Well, then let the others go. Hello. Let God at least give you some fresh vision for what you have now going for you. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, it's really quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight. I want to read these few verses uh, with you in Philippians in chapter 3 from the, the message translation. I just like the way that it is written. It says this, Philippians in chapter 3, verse 10. Paul said, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I've made it. But I am well on my way. I am reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, he says, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal. I like that. This is where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. And so let us keep focused on that goal. I like that. I've got my eye on the goal, he says right here. Got my eye on the goal. You know what's going to happen is this. As God gives you a goal, a new vision for your life, your marriage, ministry, future, children, business, whatever. As God gives you fresh vision, fresh ideas, what it will do is it will help you to stay focused. And it will also spark determination inside. What do you mean by that? Well, I'll use for example. When I am sitting down and... I'm in the office working and I'm, you know, talking to the Lord and a new idea rises up within my heart. Perhaps a new book, a new Bible course. When that idea rises up within me, it's something fresh. Then I am very focused because now things have become clear. And instead of dilly-dallying around, you know, and trying to juggle this in a ministry, juggle this in a ministry, and, and set dates, and call, you know, make these calls, and send these faxes, and do all this. Now, as God has given me something fresh in my heart, in my life, it sparks a determination. And I become very focused, where I can just lock myself there in that office or that room and just begin to write or just begin to, you know, uh, prepare it or design it. And this is how God works. As He gives you new ideas and new vision and opens doors of opportunity, it will spark a new, fresh determination. In other words, that depression, it will be a thing of the past. Take somebody that's unemployed. 
unemployed for months upon months. They've looked for jobs. Nothing opens up. They sit at home. They're so discouraged. They're praying. They go out, try to do job interviews. Nothing opens up. They just get into, you know, just a place of such depression and discouragement. But what happens when the phone rings one day and somebody says, I hear you're looking for a job. We can use somebody like you. All of a sudden, that cloud of depression, man, it's history. It goes right out the door. This person sits up. Immediately, you start to feel better. Somebody actually needs me. They need the gifts or talents or or what I can do or my experience that I have. Huh? That determination, it begins to rise up within them. They become very focused. When do I start and, and how do I do that? And, you know, what time do you want me to be there? This, friend, is what God will do. If we are willing to get into the Word, allow the Word to get into us, make a decision to let go of the past, as good as it has been, hello, I have stood in places overseas in Eastern Europe where preachers in our nation have dreamed about, only dreamed and only thought or read about, standing in a place where a move of God didn't affect one church, one city, but it affected a whole nation at the same time. That people would be outside for eight hours before they would get into the stadiums. Then the meetings would go on. It wasn't uncommon for the meetings to start at four, go on till, you know, midnight, five o'clock in the morning. They would be in the meeting for eight hours and they'd be right back there the next day. And just to see the hunger of people that didn't even know God, just to be so hungry and desperate for God. And to see the manifestations, you know, the blind eyes open, people come out of the wheelchairs, the deaf ears pop open, the, the crippled walk, tumors disappear. And, and to see the, the manifestation of the glory where the cloud comes into the auditorium and everyone sees it who looks up. And to see people falling out spontaneously, unbelievers just dropping in the halls, just falling out with no catchers and everything that has ever been recorded in historical revivals that we have written in books. I've actually stood there and been in the meetings, been conducting and preaching in the meetings. And as amazing as all that has been to me, I'm not going to live back there. I am expecting increase more in 2004. That's what I'm expecting. The word of the Lord came unto me one time saying, don't look back. Do not look back. Because I was finding myself looking back in ministry The places I've stood, the audiences, the power of God, as rich as you could possibly get. The demonstrations of the Holy Ghost, unbelievable. Not among Christians that are, you know, that kind of been churched or schooled in this area. We're talking auditorium filled with unbelievers. And just God begins to move and demonstrate. And he said, do not look back, but keep looking forward. Because even what I've experienced, there has been that tendency like... Gee, I remember when. Gee, oh, whoo, those were the good old days. Wow. But as long, as long as I'm dwelling on that, I cannot see what God's trying to show me out in front of me. As long as I got my head turned, looking back at the past, I'm missing what he's presently showing me right now. And that's the reason, friend, we've got to make that decision. Keep our eye on the goal. Whereas Paul had said, I got my eye on the goal. I'm off, I'm running, 
I am not turning back. What have you been looking at lately? What have your eyes been on? Somebody said, well, as a matter of fact, you know, it's tax time. And uh, I've been looking back over our accounts in 2003, and I don't know, I must say, it, it, it looks like last year that we were more prosperous. Somebody else said, well, you know, I've been thinking about how it was before I got married. I'm wondering if I actually made the right decision. Somebody said, I wished I had my health back again. Those were the good old days. Another person said, my last job, it paid a lot more than the one I have right now with more benefits. I'm actually thinking about quitting and just trying to get my old job back again. See, what have you had your eye on? Have you been looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith? Have you been looking at the promises of God? The Bible is full of promises. Of course, so many of them are conditional. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask what you will and it shall be given. Conditional. Whatever you ask the Father, but it has to be in my name, then he will give it to you that your joy might be full. Conditional. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, condition, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. Conditional. And so there's so many things in the word of God that are made available, but yet how few of Christians are actually enjoying the blessing. Well, let me just wrap this up tonight. Let me just read the next couple of verses with you. Verse 15, he said, let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us who want everything that God has for them. Let me ask you this question. How many of you want everything that God has intended for your life? Amen. We all do. If any of you have something else in mind, Paul says, something less than total commitment, well, God will clear your blurred vision. You're going to see it. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Now stick with me, friends, and keep track of those that you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, perhaps pursuing their career, perhaps pursuing their dreams instead of God's dream, perhaps pursuing their plan instead of God's plan, their ideas instead of God's idea, their wants, their ambitions. And they're trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you many times of them. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is Easy Street. They hate Christ's cross. But Easy Street is a dead-end street. Those who live in there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. All they can think of is their appetites. But there is far more to life for us. For we are citizens of high heaven and we're waiting for the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like His own. Friend, we need to stay focused on the goal. We need to stay focused on all that God has for us. The enemy would like you to be looking at your condition, looking at the doctor's report, the bank statement, the business He wants you to be looking and examining your feelings, leaning to your reasoning. He'll have you looking in all the wrong, all the wrong areas. He'll constantly try to encourage you to look in the wrong direction. Bible says very clearly we need to stay focused on the goal. Maybe you feel like you've been knocked down this past year. You know, the Bible says you may have been knocked down, but you're not knocked out. (laughs) You're still alive. You're still in the race. You still have purpose. 
you still have to keep on keeping on, hello, making a clean break from the past. Letting it go, making a clean break, and then keep on keeping on. Hallelujah. He said, run, mark those who also, many are taking other paths, but he said, keep track of those that you see running the same course. In other words, we need to run with those who have vision. Because bad company will corrupt good character. We need to run with those who have vision. I need to hang around people who also want God's best. I don't want to spend time hanging around somebody that's still living in yesteryears and the only thing they ever talk about is how things used to be and what they did before. We need to hang around people that have fresh vision. Right now, they know where they're going. God has made it very clear, very evident. They have purpose. We all have destiny. Whether or not we arrive is entirely up to us. Are we going to cooperate and say, Lord, here I am. I'm at your service. All that I am, have, and ever wanted to be, I do surrender to you. We need to separate ourselves from apathetic, casual, lukewarm, carnal appetite, lazy, critical, and do-nothing-in-life Christians. I know that's a mouthful. I'm going to say it one more time. We need to separate or actually eliminate apathetic, casual, lukewarm, carnal appetite, lazy, critical, and do-nothing-in-life Christians. Why? Because they are a distraction and a detriment to your spiritual health and your future. Friend, tonight, you need to make a decision. At least some of you do, if you haven't already. You need to release the past. You need to choose to forgive. Release the person. Somebody said, Todd, I I really don't have any problem forgiving other people. The problem I have to deal with is forgiving myself. That's the biggie. I can forgive you real quick, but it just eats me up because I'm smarter than that. I, I just can't believe that I've stooped so low or I've, I've went so far or it came out of my mouth. I know better. I just, I just can't forgive myself. Well, friend, unforgiveness, the principle applies the same way, whether it be towards your next door neighbor or towards yourself. It creates bondage. The very thing that you say, I, I just, I, I just want to get rid of it. I I can't believe that I did it, but I can't forgive myself. It's a decision. You hold the keys to that prison. You hold the keys to that cage. Nobody else does. You got to let go of the past. If any man is in Christ, he's the same creation. No, he's a new creation. The Lord said to me, the problem is with your mind. The problem is with your mind. Change your thinking. The problem is with your mind. It's not so much feelings. This is where the enemy works. The enemy of your soul, the devil, he works here in the mind. And he's a great deceiver. Deception means to cause you to believe something that's not true. Well, God can't forgive you. Sally, he can't forgive you. Jason, he just can't forgive you. You've crossed the line. You've went too far. That's the unpardonable sin. You're without hope now. Friend, the very fact that it bothers you and eats you up inside and you desire to be forgiven by the Lord is evidence enough 
You haven't gone too far. You haven't crossed the line. Forgiveness is still available for you. Hello. The person that crossed the line went too far and is left without hope is the individual that says, I know what I did, but I could care less of the consequences. I'll take my chances. That's the person that's went too far. And as long as you still have a sensitive and tender heart and you know inside when you've missed it and there's still that conviction If you step beyond your boundaries, as long as you still sense that and recognize that, that's good news. That really is good news, friend. And as the Lord said to me, he said, the problem is with your mind. And the only way to remedy that is to renew our mind. If God says you confess it, put it on the altar, you're forgiven. Then if you confess it, put it on the altar, you are forgiven. It is a done deal. And the only problem is, is with her mind, because the enemy just still hammers you. Not forgiven. God didn't. He couldn't forgive that. My God, I can't believe you're a Christian and you act that way and you, you know, went that far. I just can't. He'll just hammer. The problem is here with the mind. It's not so much the heart. It's up here in the mind. But if we'll get into the Word and allow the Word of God to cleanse our mind from wrong thinking, from wrong conditioning, and I'll tell you what, friend, there's a new day on the horizon. A new day. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I just trust that some of the things I share tonight would be beneficial for many of you who are in this place. Maybe for some it was seed sown in new ground. Others it was watering seed that's already been sown. I know God is the one that brings the harvest. He's the one that brings increase. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. A new day. A new day. The new day begins when you decide it begins. That's when the new day comes. When you make that decision, that's when a new day begins. It's no longer us standing around and waiting for God to rearrange and change things around and suddenly I'll wake up one day and it will all be different. The new day begins when you make the decision down on the inside to let go of the past and say, Father, today is the first day of the rest of my life. I release my past I forgive myself and everyone that's offended me or caused offense. I refuse to hold on to to bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment. I refuse to allow these things to clutter up my life. Unforgiveness is like spiritual cholesterol. And it, it will ultimately choke you. It will interfere between your relationship of you and the Lord. It's like spiritual cholesterol. It clogs things up. And we don't want that, do we? We certainly don't. Well, let's lift our hands and say this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. We acknowledge it as truth. We receive it as truth. And now, Lord, I ask you to seal the word of God in my heart and in my mind. Help me be a doer of your word, not just a casual listener. On this very day, January the 21st, I've heard a word that has changed my life, has renewed my mind, has set my course, put me back on target. And Father, I make a decision in the name of Jesus to let go of my past, to let it all go. I release my past. I release every individual who has offended me, who has hurt me, abused me, deceived me, taken advantage of me. I release them. 
by choice. I make this decision right now at 8.45 p.m. I release them. I forgive them. I commit them into your hands. Father, I forgive myself for my foolishness, my mischief, my disobedience, my mistakes. I forgive myself as I forgive others. And on the authority of your word, I now receive forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me, washing me by the blood of Jesus, which continually cleanses me from all sense of guilt, all sense of inferiority, all condemnation. Thank you, Lord. I have been made clean by your blood. I am justified by your blood. I stand as a child of God in the family of God. Because of your blood, I release my past in the name of Jesus. And by faith, I step into my future in the name of Jesus. Today is a new day for my life. It is the first day for the rest of my life. I'm giving you praise. For you declared in your word that you daily load me with benefits. And so I'm claiming those benefits for this very day, right now, on my life, in my life, over my life, in the name of Jesus. I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Renewing my mind tonight. Changing my thinking. Charting my course. Putting me back on target. I give you praise. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm depending on you. I need you. I give you permission to arrest me if I would get off course. Speak to me any time of the day or night. I need you. I'm depending on you. And I give you permission. Father, I give you praise right now. I give you praise. Hallelujah. I am crossing over right now at 845 on January the 21st. Hallelujah. My past is gone. I've released it. I'm giving you praise for all the things that you have in store for my life as I enter into them beginning this very night. In the name of Jesus. Father, I receive healing. I receive forgiveness. I receive direction. I receive deliverance. I thank you for filling me with your joy, with your peace and happiness. I give you praise. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a fresh anointing over my life, over my marriage, over my family. In the name of Jesus, I'm giving you praise. I am counting my blessings. 
one by one. Thank you, Lord. When I think of your goodness and all you've done for me, I am giving you praise. Thank you, Father, for what you have done, for what you are doing, and for what's about to take place in my life. I'll never be the same. I'm so glad that my name has been written in the book of life. I belong to you. I'm part of the family. I have eternal life. I'm on my way to heaven. I know your voice. A stranger I will not follow. My steps are ordained by God. You're the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. You are perfecting that which concerneth me. Thank you, Lord. That which you have begun in my life, you shall complete. Thank you, Lord. Your plan, your purpose, and your will shall be consummated in my life. In Jesus' name, I am at your service. I surrender all. Have your own way, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. It's going to be different. In Jesus' name. When I wake up tomorrow morning, the first thing I'll do is to remind myself that you are in control. Thank you, Jesus. You are in control. I give you praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. All that spiritual cholesterol is melting away. Thank you, Jesus. That which has hung heavy over my life and has burdened me down for all this time, it is being lifted right now in the name of Jesus. It is leaving, dissipating. It is going in the name of Jesus. No more guilt. No more condemnation. No more inferiority. Thank you, Jesus. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we're giving you praise in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I had a good shower tonight. And I feel clean from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus, for your word and for your spirit ministering life to me. In Jesus' name. It has been good to be gathered together in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.